What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Fit, Healthy, and Most of All Happy Podcast. I'm your coach and host, Josh, here with... His co-host and co-coach, KG, and I'm in the house. And you're in the... Chaka! Let's go! <laughs> yeah, we're, so getting this, we're getting this episode done. It's a beautiful day, and we're coming at you today debunking six nutrition myths you know we've gotten too many messages about these and we said that's it we're laying the law down so what's crazy about these is there's a good chance you might believe one of these or even worse all six that's okay we're going to jump into it you know our mission is to really establish what's important in fitness what's not and to really cut out the nonsense so we're going to jump right into this and break through some of those nutrition nutrition myths you may or may not have believed. And even more importantly, you know, I think a good common thing too is like uh, even having the knowledge yourself to answer someone who might be misguided um, really goes a long way because some people honestly just don't know better. Like I could use so many different examples, but I remember someone screaming that carbs are bad for me. I need to cut carbs from my diet. And I'm like, you're drinking a smoothie and having a salad for lunch. <laughs> like oh, yeah, it's literally purely that. carbs, right? Like, there's just a lot of examples of these and it's not like, Oh, that person's, you know, trying to mess you up. It's just a lot of people don't know better. Right. And, you know, knowledge really is power in that sense. And, you know, I think a lot of us just, a lot of people regurgitate what they've heard from someone who looks great or someone on Instagram or someone trying to make money. So we're not only going to break these myths and say they're wrong. We're going to tell you why they're wrong and what science has to say about them. So you're ready to get going, Kyle. Yeah, man. And you know, it, it doesn't make you a bad person. If you're someone who has believed this, if you're someone who currently believes it, if you know someone who does, who tells you it, who gives you flack, it doesn't make you a bad person. But what really makes the difference is how you take this information. You know, I know quite a few people who, you know, if I say, hey, listen, this isn't true. They're just so close minded. They're not willing to listen. They're not willing to learn that kind of makes you a bad person, you know, at least I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. But if you're someone who says, Oh, wow, person, yeah, it makes you a stubborn person, not a bad person. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I used to believe some of this stuff for many years. And that's why we want to make sure that a lot of you just, if you're someone who has zero carbs, like we want to make sure that you understand just how to get results and keep these results without depriving yourself of great stuff. Awesome and incredibly well said, Kyle. You know, we always make it a point just because I believe something now. If you came up to me and you said, hey, are you sure about that? Here's this evidence. I'll look into it. And I think being able to change your viewpoint into, you know, grow and, you know, move when things have been shown to be better and proved there's a better way to do things is how you really stay in this and you stay in this the smart way. You know, we're so lucky that we have such great access to science, research, all these incredible things. So without further ado, let's jump into this. Number one is that gluten is bad for you. Now we've all been told this, obviously, you know, it's really interesting to see how trends shift. We'll talk about it a little bit later on, but you know, in the nineties and early two thousands, it was all about how fat was bad for you. You need to cut out fat. Um, then, you know, it turned to carbs and all these incredible things, but now gluten has kind of been listed as a culprit. And, you know, I just want to go ahead and say that Gluten in itself is not bad for you. Gluten is bad for you if you have celiac disease or gluten intolerance. If you have problems with either of those, then yes, gluten is going to be negative for you. But what a lot of people don't know 
is that those two things are actually quite rare. They're not an insanely common thing. And most often, the thing that's not going to make you feel the best is having too many grains, too much white bread, too much sugars, all of these things. And a lot of the time, that is what's going to cause you to feel bloated, to gain weight, to do these things. And it's not inherently that gluten is the culprit. You know, gluten um, has become more of a trend, as I mentioned. And, you know, once again, people that tend to cut out gluten will a lot of the time see really great results. But that's more so generally from, you know, actually just being in a diet where you're trying to cut out things that aren't the best for you, you're eating less calories, less junk foods, and because of that, you'll feel better. So it's one of those things where correlation isn't causation. And it's not that it's, you know, brutal for you. And in general, wheat products are actually something that can be really great. You know, you're getting a lot of essential B vitamins, fibers in there, and they definitely have their purpose and tools, and they shouldn't just be inherently demonized. And, you know, if you're really worried that you do have a gluten intolerance, you can get a test for that, you can find out. And you know, hey, if that's something you actually think is there, go ahead and try it. But you know, I am a big fan. If for some reason you think you do, you could try cutting it out, see how you feel, you could try reintroducing it, um, you know, see how you feel then. And you know, once again, it's just something where I think too many people jump to that you shouldn't have gluten without really understanding what it means. I think just a lot of people like are, like you said, just very quick to point out that one thing if they're like not getting results. Like if they're for some reason just not seeing the scale go down week after week, they're just like, oh, it's gluten or it's like, oh man, it's, it's that, uh, you know, it's that little bit of, and in, in reality, like Josh said, like if, if you don't have one of these issues, it's just, it more than likely it's, it's not an issue. I remember looking at some studies and there was uh, someone out there, a doctor who had said like, you know, major, like very high percentages of people who think they have it just they're it's they're not they don't at all and it's just you know once again i'm not saying that you don't but it's it's one of those things that is definitely interesting to look into if you actually think you are gluten intolerant or have you know just anything like that you know use your better judgment uh, get tested um any of that stuff but you know just i i'm kind of i was tired of hearing just every person who's just like you know consuming too many carbs in in general and they're like oh it's the gluten that's that's causing me to store this body fat it's like really but we could talk about this all day um number yeah, two yeah sorry go ahead. to interrupt but once again if you do have intolerance it will buck you you know and like i said i'm a big fan of getting tested too like um, I find it's so easy to be like, oh, something's wrong with me. That's why I'm not losing weight or why I don't feel good. And like, if I find that one magical thing, I'll feel better. Like maybe I'm iron deficient. And instead of guessing these things, if you have any legitimate concern, go get blood work done, go get a test. Um, one thing I'd caution people with is nutrition al allergy tests. You know, there's a lot of studies saying that they're not the most conclusive things, um, you know, and you can get some misinformation there. Um, but, you know, I also wanted to throw out, I just, you know, I thought this was the case, but I just, uh, you know, once again, pulled up a thing here. And a recent study showed um, that actually only 0.5 to 0.6% of the global population are gluten sensitive. And that's not even intolerant, that's gluten sensitive. So wow. literally a percent of a percent um, you know, out of a hundred people, we're looking <laughs> at not even one person, you know, technically. So, uh, definitely something to be mindful of, uh, you know, as you're uh, going to this, but what's number two. Yeah. And one last thing, a few people that I know who had gotten those like food allergy tests, uh, they, the list came back with like 27 different things that basically every single food on the planet 
and it's just like really so it wasn't helpful at all i'm not saying it's not helpful for some people it's just you gotta you gotta be cautioned with these things yeah, and, and, and use your better judgment i know we're gonna we keep jumping on but we love doing this we love adding on layers and late our experience science and that's what our podcast is all about so if you're new here hopefully you really enjoy this but i'm a big big fan and one thing i've done more than ever is i always thought i was lactose intolerant i got some tests once again it's hard to know but Generally, you can know how something makes you feel, but I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not sure what's going on. Like, do I have a bunch of different things? Um, you know, but then I'm like, okay, let's try this. Let's just cut out all dairy. I cut out all dairy. I felt fantastic, you know, and you know, I do believe I'm lactose intolerant, but even for you, you know, you could start experimenting, keep your diet static, you know, try to eat the same things, a little boring for a week cut out one thing that you think might be a culprit that doesn't make you feel good um, and then see how you feel. And what's cool is when I actually had my hernia, so a hernia is like a little rip in your abdominal wall um, and your intestines kind of protrude through it and you get this little bit of a bump that goes away um, depending on what you eat because your intestines, right? And what was so intriguing with that is more than ever, I learned how food affected me. I know it's a little bit of a side tangent, but something like sparkling water causes you to bloat quite a lot. And a lot of people can say, oh, different things are making me feel bloated. But where people go wrong is they're having a lot of diet drinks or having a ton of coffee or like all these different things will have an effect. So I'm a big fan of for a long time, every week, I'm like, okay, I'll stop eating this thing. I'll eat more of this thing. I'll take away a little bit of this. Maybe I'll eat, see how you feel. And wherever you feel the best is what you should double down, lean into and get to know your body. What things make you feel great? What things don't make you feel the best sluggish? And the more you can have that self-awareness and understanding, the more you can kind of control, um, you know, and have a better background as to what, how, what you eat affects you. Love it. Well said. And number two, so there's two aspects to this. Number one, let's start off. So we're, we're going to talk protein powder. Um, number one is just that it's magical. It's this thing that when you start drinking it, your muscles become four times bigger and you start holding on to all strength and everything is just the best thing in the world. I know back in high school, you know, it was very common for a lot of us to bring our uh, shaker bottles and have a scoop of protein right after the workout because of the anabolic window. Protein powder for the most, definitely, I was, I was going to say for the most part, but definitely is not magical. It's a great way to increase your protein intake for a lot of people who just don't get enough through foods. It's great to take, you know, I'll take about one and a half scoops a day and that's just my sweet spot to help me hit my protein, but it's definitely not magical. Um, you know, a lot of people think there's an anabolic window for half an hour after a workout. That's the only time you can get protein in or else it doesn't count. Um, it's been showing that yes, between an hour or two after a workout, if you do get some source of carbs, um, as well as protein, that it will have some solid positive effects. So I do that every single time, but it's definitely not magical. And then number two is just that it should be avoided and is super bad for you. I mentioned this or uh, in an upcoming uh, episode, I'll be mentioning it, but um, I hear this very often. And, you know, even a couple of clients here and there are just like, Hey, my old school doctor, you know, who uh, hasn't looked at a study in 40 years, um, told me that protein powder is bad for me. I should have zero of it. Um, and it's like, just, you know, there's so much sugar in it and, you know, unnatural ingredients and all this stuff. And it's just, it, it, it's crazy. It boggles my mind that there's still these myths going out there. So yes, it's not magical, but it also isn't bad for you. And it's actually a great thing to add in within moderation. As long as you're not having like eight scoops a day, like you have to make sure you have a good balance of healthy foods with multivitamins and, and nutrients and everything like that. But you know, I could go on for days about protein. I know Josh could too. 
too much of anything is bad for you, you know? So that's the thing. Don't just go leaning into one way or the other. Like if I eat way too many veggies, you're not going to feel good. That's a lot of fiber. That's a lot of volume. And, you know, if your stomach's not used to something too, that's where a lot of issues can kind of cause. Like it is hard completely switching diets and your stomach can definitely feel effects of that. And, you know, it, it, it's only natural, but once again, um, there's so many levels to this and don't be scared of protein. Don't think it's the only source you need. Um, but there's nothing about it that's bad for you. It's just a derivative of milk. It's a different source of protein as there's many different sorts of fats, carbs, proteins in general. So don't be too fearful of it. And, you know, speaking of fats, number three is that eating fat will make you fat. So as I mentioned, um, this is something that's passed pretty, uh, I'd like to say not many people believe it anymore. Um, you know, this was definitely, like I said, more thing of the 80s and 90s, you know, seen that a little bit in the early 2000s. And uh, in particular, it's funny now because just the same um, fat won't make you fat, but uh, where it's kind of funny, it's flipped so much, it's either have no fat or have a ton of fat and be keto. Like it, it's really interesting, but fat once again is a nutrient like anything else. It kind of got a bad rap because fat has the same name as actual fat as your body, um, but they're two very different structures, right? Like they're two different things. Um, and the one thing to be careful of the fat is one gram of fat is nine calories per gram. So where people get confused, I think, is the density of fat. Like if you eat really fatty wings, you know, you think, oh, it's probably isn't on the calories. You look it up, you're like, oh my goodness, like 100 calories per wing, that's a lot. Um, so I think more so than anything, the reason people struggle with fat is it actually does consume more of your calories and you can have less volume of it, you know, and that's kind of the way things will go. But there's a million different examples of that, you know, having 100 calories of salad versus 100 calories of, you know, white bread are two very different things. Um, but once again, in particular, there's nothing about fat that is inherently bad for you. Fat is important. Um, you know, it has its roles. It helps balance hormones. It helps uh, do a lot of wonderful things, you know, such as protecting our organs maintaining cell membranes, promoting growth and development, and absorbing essential vitamins. So fat is a very important part of your diet. And once again, one thing I'm a big fan of is playing around with, does a higher fat diet work for you? Does a lower fat diet work for you? Does high carb, low carb, does moderate um, carb fat work, you know, really experiment, see what makes you feel the best, take advantage of it. But I love utilizing fats in my diet. Me and Kyle go crazy for the guac. We get them to put as much on there as they can. I like a lot of things such as olive oils, um, peanut butters, all these great things. There's a lot of great fats out there. Where you want to be careful is trans fats. Trans fats are bad for you. They've been shown to not be good for your system whatsoever. These are things that are in like really greasy fast food. And those are the things you're going to want to look to avoid. Yeah, even like I, it's super well said. I find a lot of uh, coaching clients when they first start tracking and you know inputting their numbers into the spreadsheet and everything, their fats are super low. And I think it just comes from that fact that you know a lot of times people are just like unsure of it and they're like, oh, I want to have as little fat as possible, so I have as little fat on my body. And it's definitely one of those things that you know is it's hey, it doesn't make you a bad person, but you know we got to make this change. Even if you want proper hormone function, I find a lot of women struggle because they're having like twenty something grams of fat, and it's like, whoa, we need to increase this. But that was super well said. Um, number four is the myth that eating healthy is too expensive, and I think the reason people think this is because yes, if you want to order like one of those healthy, you know. Um, all veggie and a protein bowl. Yeah, that'll cost you 15 to $20 each time. And if you want to go to Wendy's or McDonald's and get a burger, that's going to be like $1.50. That's where people think, oh, wow, like healthy foods is so, so expensive. But when you do it right, when you actually go to the grocery store and you buy in bulk, you know, bulked veggies, dried beans, brown rice, the right, you know, sources of protein, and just actually, you know, spend time looking at 
what you can do to like save money and stuff like that. Like eating healthy is actually in a way, in my opinion, way cheaper. And if you think of it this way, the amount of long-term benefits you're going to get from eating healthy versus just grabbing random fast food and crappy stuff, it's going to pay you back over and over and over again. And something I wanted to talk about is that most people who say eating healthy is too expensive are the people that are ordering on Uber Eats, you know, four to six to 10 times per week, therefore spending way, way more money than actually taking time to go grocery shopping, um, eat, uh, when you go grocery shopping, don't go to the store hungry because you're not going to buy as much, you know, um, crappier foods. Uh, one thing that I've experimented as well is actually going with a list. I spend 50 to hundred dollars less when I have an actual list. Even if I order beforehand, you can do like different things. There's so many different ways to do it. Limiting food delivery, um, making actual meal prep for the week or for the next couple of days, like eating healthy is not too expensive. It's the way that you approach it. And I just want to get this across because a lot of people, this is what holds them back. They're like, I don't have money to, you know, to, to eat healthy and to eat the right foods for my protein and all this stuff. But you know, look how cheap rice is, you know, look how cheap some of these, uh, there's so many different ways to do it. It's just, I hear this a lot and I want to bust that myth. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you what's expensive is, you know, getting a ton of medical work done, uh, being overweight, uh, you know, being unhealthy, those things are what will really be expensive later in life. And, uh, you know, another big thing for me is I could eat junk food all day and tomorrow. I could just keep eating it, go, 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 you know, and you, you're going to get way more calories, but when you eat good quality food, going to get full faster you're going to need less of it and that's going to pay off big so i think kyle nailed that one really hit it on the head which was awesome number five now we talked about fats we're going to talk about avoiding carbs if you want to lose weight um so carbs got a really bad rap after fats you know it seems like every source wants to get demonized one way or another this is probably something you may still believe um but what you need to understand is carbs have um, a purpose, right? Carbs are a great source of energy. Glycogen is super important. You know, I'm going to try and break this down the best I can, but carbs are not inherently bad for you. You can definitely utilize a lot of carbs. Where you want to be careful is I'm a firm believer that you should earn your carbs to some degree. Like if you've done nothing, um, you haven't really been active and you're just eating 600 carbs, you're going to feel sluggish. You're not going to feel good. You can get like a headache, you know, when you have too much, but carbs are important. They're a great source of energy. Your body needs them, especially when you're working out hard. Um, they can do a lot of wonderful things. It's just, you don't want all of your carbs to be like just garbage, right? Just like any garbage at all is going to make you feel horrible. Like if you're just eating really low quality foods for fats, carbs, etc., that's where you're going to have more of an issue. And that's going to be more of an issue with caloric adherence. So actually hitting your calories. And it's not so much that one particular nutrition should be demonized. I like to think of the nutritional hierarchy as calories first, protein a very close second, then carbon fat distribution, just because they have their roles and purposes. And we can kind of manipulate these factors, obviously, to produce change. Um, but it is more of a minor factor, then come things like meal timing and all that. So um, once again, trying to eliminate a food group is not realistic. Um, it's going to cause you to eat more of other things. And instead, you know, try to have a good variety of healthy carbs. You know, I'm still a fan of white rice, I just enjoy it more. I like eating it. I try to take advantage of a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, like a lot of good things that really do make me feel good. And it's not that eliminating carbs is going to help you lose weight. Um, a lot of the time by people eliminating carbs or eliminating more junk. And once again, they're getting that mistake of correlation, not being causation, um, where they're eliminating junk food, losing weight, and they think it's the carbs, but that is not the case at all. Super well said. I think where a lot of people struggle is that they have like the, you know, as we've already talked about in this podcast episode, protein's bad for a lot of people, but then fat's bad for a lot of people, then carbs are bad. What's left? 
you're you're eating <laughs> you're, you're, now it's time to detox water. and this is going to go yeah water this is going to go into number 6 but before i i wanted to actually address this um one 6.5 a bonus myth is a lot of people think that like they don't deserve to eat if they don't work out if they don't do cardio studies have shown that you burn over 75% of your calories just from like literally just from not even moving, just being alive from, from having to breathe, from having to digest food. So where a lot of people struggle is they're like, Oh, well, I didn't work out today. So I don't get to like eat. Like I hear some crazy things. Like people just think they should have be having 900 calories because they're not doing this massive workout. And they don't realize that most calories burn just come from literally being alive, having to keep yourself alive and healthy. So I wanted to address that. But number six is uh, the myth that a detox is going to get rid of uh, toxins from your body. Um, it's going to clean it out. You know, these are words that you need to be careful of. You know, a lot of people online will just, you know, try to sell you stuff for like gut health and toxins and detoxes and like all this stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, there's very little evidence that any of this stuff is actually going to do what it promises. The truth is that our body does a great job every single day of detoxing itself. And if you're just looking to actually have a healthy properly functioning body that detoxes itself the way it should, you know, just eat more whole foods, drink more water and remove more um, really highly processed foods from your diet and you'll be good to go. But, you know, I just, I'll hear, oh, hey, I'm doing a juice cleanse or, you know, I need to do this like one or two weeks of like just detoxing and, you know, the, these like multi-level marketing companies are trying to sell you on these things that do nothing for you aside from burn a hole in your wallet and it's time for them to stop. You know, like if, if, if you've gotten some fire here, hopefully this helped. I guarantee at least one person got help from, uh, you know, every person got help from at least one different tip here. So I, I hope it was fire because I think we yeah. spent some fire. And if you want us to elaborate, you know, go ahead, DM us on Instagram. If you're like, Hey, my skinny tea makes me feel the best. You know, we're more than happy to explain, you know, in a little bit more detail how a lot of this works and yeah, detoxing in particular is a, is a really brutal one. Cause I think that's where a lot of people get misconstrued and, you know, once again, there's a million, um, you know, things we could debunk. So if there's something you'd like to see us do, please message us on Instagram at Colossus Fit, C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S-F-I-T. If you want to get the best coaching in the industry, you know, one-on-one -on -one relationship with your coach, where we're really going to help to improve your fitness, your nutrition, as well as your training, accountability, and lifestyle, please reach out to us. Um, our website will be the first link in the description down below if you want to apply to be a client. Summer's coming up. We want to help you out. We want to get you in the best shape of your life, really guide you on what's important in nutrition and what's not so definitely click the first link in the description of this episode but thank you so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode peace out peace and love always